This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. The prevalence of hate speech in public discourse amplified by social media is a problem multicultural societies the world over are grappling with, Malaysia included. But do we have the right tools and collective understanding of what constitutes hate speech in order to address this effectively, especially in a localized context? Researchers at the center have recently launched an initiative called Tracker Bunchi to gather data and contribute to further study of hate speech in Malaysia. Joining me today to discuss this initiative is Tham Javern, a researcher with the center. Welcome to the show, Javern. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Shazana, for having me here. So you've been researching issues surrounding hate speech and freedom of expression for several years with the center. There isn't an internationally agreed upon definition of what constitutes hate speech to begin with. Why do you think it's so hard to come to a consensus on what is hate speech? I think, um, and this is learning from our 2020 study uh, to judge what Malaysians really think is hateful. There's so many languages, um, different understandings and different cultural upbringings of people around us. And therefore, they, each and every one of them also think about hatefulness differently, right? Um, and this was a lesson from our study back then. Something that was definitely hateful to one community, the targeted community, was judged to be less hateful by the others who are not affected as much about it. And we at the center are trying to bridge this gap, right? Um, Even though this is still contentious, uh, still not agreed upon, but we want to try to bridge that that gap. We want to try to bring up more awareness, uh, hopefully more empathy towards one another. So it stems from our different uh, cultural upbringings, the way we're we're raised, our different perspectives. And that does create a kind of um, culture clash, I suppose, in terms of uh, understanding what is what is hate speech. Are there types of hate speech that Malaysians can agree on? Um, and what would that be? So this uh, goes back to our work back in 2020. Um, we tried to pinpoint um, the most serious slash most agreed upon hate speech and to the least serious. Um, and I would just focus on the most serious ones. Um, there was generally more consensus on um, hateful things said about one's religion, um, some things about calls for violence, definitely calling for arms and you know calling for fights. That's definitely something to be agreed upon, no matter who you are, right? Otherwise, languages, perceptions of those languages, they're still a little more debatable, but there are some points of consensus there. Okay, so violence is a clear red line across perspectives. That's one thing we can all agree on, but everything else is subjective depending on who's actually interpreting it. So bearing this in mind, let's talk about the center's initiative to monitor hate speech in Malaysia called Hashtag Tracker Benchi. What are the objectives of this project? So I have Two personal goals for this project. One, I want it to be a repository for the way things are evolving in Malaysia, uh, the trends and themes of hatred that we're seeing um, over time, over topics, over political or social events. And I think this is really, really useful for us um, in this multicultural society because we keep having debates 
or these definitions and the impact of them. So it's definitely useful to have a repository for it. And second, I'm really, really hoping that it's a labor efficient tool to identify, analyze and categorize what really is hateful to Malaysians. And hopefully this tool can also contribute to certain policy responses towards them. And by labor efficient, um, you're referring, of course, to the um, utilization of artificial intelligence in hashtag tracker Benchi. Um, you've mentioned in during the launch that this is can, this is sort of a, a, a proof of concept. It hasn't really been done before um, in Malaysia, at least. I mean, why do you think that's the case? Is it because it's a is it resource intensive to come up with this kind of software or was maybe the technology not accessible prior to this? Um, you know, why now? I wouldn't say that there haven't been any thoughts or resources about this. Um, this has definitely been done elsewhere. Uh, I was just lucky enough to kind of um, rope this in into Malaysia. And I have done scraping or attempting to automate these processes in the past. Um, I had an article about how hate speech on Twitter proliferated uh, during the early MCO days. But I kind of thought about why am I sitting alone in front of the computer and downloading tens of thousands of tweets and attempting to do it myself when I could have a machine to do it for me. And I was very, very lucky to have um, to get to meet these guys from Talent Search. They're this data analytics company in Malaysia. And they kind of got the idea right away and we got to work. Um, so I wouldn't, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just, it takes someone out there to be like, yeah, why not? Mm, mm, um, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So um, here we are with Trakamunchi. Could you talk to me about what was um, challenging about training the AI to do the work? Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> if you were at the launch, our, I mentioned that we had to download um, a set of tweets. Uh, there were nearly 20,000 of them. We tried our best to be very, very meticulous with the way we code and sort them out for the machine to learn, right? Uh, we want to tell the machine what is really, really clear-cut hateful and what's really just sarcasm or satire and what's not hateful at all. Um, so we had to have a panel of researchers, six of us to be exact, but definitely not enough. Um, to really sit down and distinguish those three things that I mentioned. And even within the tweets that were defined as hateful by us, we also wanted to differentiate that some are more serious than the others. Some are calling for death of certain people and or communities. And some are merely insults that we don't want to, you know, um, advocate for serious actions to it. So it was very important for us to have that distinction as well. So this sorting process of the nearly 20,000 tweets data set took us about, I would say, two to three months um, just to make sure that we're doing things right, sorting things right, and um, trying our best really to teach the machine um, what it can learn at this point. But I, I think I want to point out that if we had more resources um, in the future, I would definitely push for more tweets to train the machine with. Um, 
with better sorting, with more variety of words, the machine can learn better. I see. So you started out with 20,000 tweets as the initial data set. So it, it was trained with that data set, but it's continuously running for now based on what it has learned from that 20,000 data set. Yeah. All right. So you're continuously gathering data um, for future study. Yeah. So um, if you guys could log on to center.my.com, you would look at um, how we have managed to trace tweets from, I think, a couple months ago. And to the latest one would be just a couple weeks ago, I think. So it will be continuously updated weekly on Mondays, if I remember correctly. Can this process ever be automated fully? Could the AI be trained to completely replace the human element? Or will human intervention always be necessary? I definitely agree with human intervention. Um, I think there are cases in the West where a complete automated process of content moderation was attempted. And some systems came up to be overly lenient or overly tough on what really constitutes hateful content that should be removed. So I think it's really, really important to have a group of people or a panel to kind of sit and agree to what needs to be removed and how they can trace that over time. Because hate speech keeps evolving in our societies around the world. And the people behind these machines should also be aware of that. So that's really important. I'm speaking to Tam Jiavan, the lead researcher behind Hashtag Tracker Bunchi, an initiative by the think tank The Centre to study hate speech in Malaysia. When we come back, we discuss some of the early findings of Hashtag Tracker Bunchi, as well as how the data gathered can inform policymaking. But first, a quick message. Will the year of the tiger see the stock market roaring? Join our live webinar on Wednesday, 19th of January at 12.30pm on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube Live, where we'll go in-depth to analyze the market for you. Morning Run's Wang Xiaoning will be speaking to Doreen Chu, Head of Investments from East Springs Investments Berhad, and Ivy Ng, Head of Malaysia Research at CGS CIMB. This webinar is powered by East Springs Investments Berhad. BFM 89.9. Hello, if you've just tuned in, this is Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana, and with me on the show today is Tham Javern, a researcher with the Centre who's running the hashtag Tracker Binchy initiative to monitor hate speech in Malaysia. Javern, we were talking about how you set up hashtag Tracker Binchy in the earlier part of the conversation. Can you walk me through some of the early findings um, from the tracker? As you said, you have uh, your team trawled through 20,000 tweets, um, I guess, to just start get the project up and running, are there any particular trends or patterns that have been picked up? I, that's a very question, uh, good question because we shied away from talking about the res, uh, results uh, during the launch. There were certain points in time where we saw spikes. Uh, if you just uh, if you could go to the site right now, you would definitely see some spikes over the weeks in the past few months. Uh, we have yet to get into the reasons behind those spikes. Um, but that's definitely something for future researchers to look at. Um, that's only for frequency. And we also looked at themes um, and the types of intensity of speech. And this is something that I really want to point out as well, that throughout, we found that there were mostly negative stereotypes and more insults that are proliferating online rather than um, the more serious stuff. Not to say that they're not there, 
there definitely uses of gun emojis and you know um, calls for arms and everything. But the for the most part, they have definitely more negative stereotypes and insults than anything. And I think this is something for policymakers to consider, because right now our responses to its hate speech as a whole in Malaysian societies, we're not distinguishing um, between the seriousness of speeches that we're, we're trying to curb, right? Uh, we're treating everything as one. Um, and I think that's really, really important for us to distinguish. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a really great point, I think, because hate speech is this monolithic term that applies to a whole spectrum of, of comments or content that could range from the mildly offensive to the very severely aggressive. Um, and, and, I, and I agree with you that having those distinctions um, would be much better in trying to come up with the right policy measures um, for this. What communities are often the target of online hate speech on Twitter from your initial observations? Um, I think, to be really honest, everyone has had a fair share, uh, at least for the communities that we looked at. We looked at um, tweets based on uh, targeting ethnicities, gender, sexual orientation, and nationalities. I think everyone has had a fair share. um, And we really would encourage people to look at these data not as who is getting targeted the most, but rather what we can do to bridge that gap between one another, right? Um, that's why we also introduced the feature Venture Calculator, where you can kind of put in something that maybe you said, used to say on a daily basis, I hope, and hopefully you put it into our calculator and you realize the harm that it could have caused someone you know um, or someone who's been around you. So that's really the aim that we're trying to go for. The tracker focused um, on Twitter. Uh, Why Twitter? Um, And are there plans to expand this to other social media platforms at this stage? We focus on Twitter because, first of all, we're on a tight project timeline. Mm. And we wanted to see... Um, whether it was possible to get data from the most open source social media platform out there right now. So, for example, if I were to expand it to Facebook at the point in time, there were quite a few limitations, I would say, to accessing their data and analyzing them. So Twitter actually has this open source platform um, called Twitter Developers, where you could access it for researchers, academics, to look at things and analyze them. So that's where we decided to have the starting point with. But um, if resources permit in the future, we definitely want to expand it to other platforms, say Facebook or even TikTok, if we could. What What are the gaps in the current tracker that um, you'd like to see improved or monitoring elements that could be expanded apart from you know, going to different platforms, but are there any other areas that um, you think uh, could be ripe for improvement moving forward? Uh, I think first thing that I would want to tackle is adding the Mandarin feature of the tracker as well. So right now our tracker features both English and BM because we did train a model with both English and BM tweets. So language is definitely something I would want to work on. And I would say the list of words uh, that we used to train the model with. So we started this project off with um, a predetermined list of words that we thought were 
uh, off the bat, commonly hateful terms that we have seen internally on Malaysian social media. But that list is definitely non-exhaustive. Uh, you know, we would definitely be open to more suggestions uh, for different languages, different words that we might have missed, phrases, and hopefully we get to train the model again in the future with this newer set of words or phrases that we missed out. Okay. So if we can look at our legal framework, Malaysia doesn't have specific legislation to address hate speech, but there are various legal provisions that cover offensive or insulting communication under the Sedition Act or the MCMC Act, for example. Is the current legal framework adequate in your view? Um, I would say it could be improved because it, I mean, our wordings in the legislations are vague, uh, first of all, and way too punitive. Uh, for the various types of hate speech that we have seen um, throughout our research. So, for example, I would not be able to advocate for um, jail terms or fines for someone who wrote an insult uh, for the first time in his life on a social media platform. Um, we're definitely big advocates of proportionate responses. And I think the legislations that um, are covering these incidences in Malaysia should start reflecting that as well. I mean, we do know that there's appetite from the Malaysian public to have more proportionate responses uh, from our last study on this. So we're hoping for um, more policy improvements on this area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes back to your earlier point about identifying the types of hate speech and where they lie on that spectrum. Um, So as you mentioned, a lot of the uh, penalties are quite punitive and and they kind of have this broad brush across all types of hate speech. Um, What kind of policy responses do you think should be considered for the lesser, for those on on the lower end of the spectrum? So we addressed this two years ago and this was based on a set of responses from Malaysians themselves. We are more open to educational measures or um, counseling for someone who doesn't really know the impact of what he or she has said. And we would advocate for more bridge building initiatives or even a national um, reconciliation commission that could sit both the perpetrator and the victim down and kind of work this out, right? Uh, we would go for those things that we think are more um, rehabilitative then, and I think they are definitely more effective than children's or fines. Mm. Looking, I guess, at the global landscape, are there any regional or global examples of um, hate speech legislation or hate speech frameworks that um, that we could model? Uh, you know, has any country actually gotten it right? Uh, well, I would think that if you ask anyone from those countries, they would say it's imperfect as well. But top of my head, I know that. Japan and France, for example, have passed laws to address hate speech uh, in their respective countries. For example, in Japan's case, uh, politicians were calling for more legislation to ban hate speech since they thought that the existing ones did not explicitly forbid it. Um, I think there was still a lot of anti-Korean sentiments in the country, for example. Meanwhile, in another country, maybe Australia, they have a more civil uh, route to it looking at this issue. So 
Australia actually has um, civil laws for hate speech in most of the states, and they're implemented by state authorities, and, uh, such as the New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Board. So these are the kind of commissions, less punitive, more civil commissions that we want to advocate for. And I think we can definitely model that in Malaysia, yeah. That is an interesting example. So there are alternative ways to address hate speech issues beyond just criminal punishment that are actually being implemented in Australia that we can consider. Um, Javin, one of the common arguments or concerns raised when we talk about legislating hate speech is that it infringes on the right to freedom of expression. How do we reconcile the freedom of expression argument with the prohibition against hate speech? I would say this to anyone who says that uh, freedom of speech is definitely a right to be upheld, but it also has to be balanced by our responsibilities to its one another in societies. Um, it cannot be unfettered uh, if it impacts a person or a community at large to the point of advocating violence towards them. Uh, we have seen so many instances of this, and I think most recently in India, for example, um, there's a lot of anti-Muslim sentiments being uh, spewed by both um, the people and even celebrities. In some cases, authorities. So unfettered, no. Um, when it comes to marginalized communities, there has to be some boundaries we cannot cross. And I ho- I'm hoping the way we improve these policies in the future can address this better. Mm. Yeah. And we look forward to more insights from the project that could help with policy direction. Javarin, thanks very much. I look forward to catch up with you again on this in the future. Good luck with the project. Thanks, Shazana. I've been speaking to Tham Javarin, researcher with the think tank The Center. You can check out the hashtag trackerbunchi calculator at center.my slash trackerbunchi. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Stay tuned for the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.